Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. We're glad you're joining us today for our message. Enjoy, and God bless. So how's everybody doing? Are you good? Amen, amen. Well, I am excited about the word tonight. We have a graphic. Um, Can you help me with that? When I say H&M, what comes to your mind? What? Clothes. Clothes. Young ones over there, what comes to your mind? Cute, edgy, trendy, Bridge Street. I don't know. Is that what comes to your mind? Well, that's not what I'm talking about tonight. Although H&M is the title of my message. Father, we thank you for this night. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and saturate this sanctuary. Thank you, Lord. Just take a deep breath. And then exhale. Thank you for your presence, sir. Sir, I pray you would hide me behind your anointing tonight. I pray your word would be heard and not mine. Sir, we give you all the glory and the honor tonight. And wherever you go, I'm right behind you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Tonight, I would like to tell you a story first, and then I'm going to teach you the second person that I want to talk about. Is that okay? So I'm going to tell the story, and then I'm going to teach an account, if you will. And I'm going to start with the story tonight from 2 Kings chapter 22. So you can go back and read the entire account, but I'm going to tell you the story. And it goes something like this. There were 10 tribes in the north, 10 tribes in the north called Israel. And the two remaining tribes were called Judah. Now, idolatry and Baal worship, ritual prostitution, And human sacrifice had crept into their worship. And during all of this, a prince was born, and his name was, what was his name? Josiah. Do you remember the story? His grandfather's name was Manasseh, and he was one of the most evil kings in Judah. He built pagan altars in the temple of the Lord. He sacrificed his own son in the fire, and he practiced sorcery. And he also consulted psychics. Did I tell you that was all done in the temple? Josiah's father, his name was Amon, and he wasn't much better. He was murdered by one of his own officials while he was still in office. Josiah was raised by his mother, and her name was Jedediah, single mom. At eight years old, Josiah found himself on the throne of Judah. Did you hear that? Eight years old. Second Kings tells us that Josiah did what was pleasing in the sight of the Lord. And he followed the example of his ancestor, David. 
Now, when Josiah was 26 years old, how many of you know sometimes you got a clean house? You got to deal with the skeletons in the closet because if you don't, nobody else is going to and they're not going away. So he's 26 years old and he ordered some renovations of the temple because I just told you what was taking place in the temple, remember? You can't wash that out. So with carpenters and brick masons and builders all around, someone stumbled upon an ancient scroll. Hilkiah was the high priest. And there was a man named Shaphan, and he, in the scripture, he is called a secretary. Don't be confused by that. He's not taking shorthand behind the desk. He is more like the secretary of state, if you will. So Hilkiah goes to him and he said, this scroll has been found. I find this very interesting because Hilkiah is the high priest and he goes to the secretary of state to read the scroll. There's all sorts of red flags happening right now that he would call someone else and he's the high priest. Okay, hold on to that for a second. I know, that's what I thought. So what happens is Josiah, he heard the words because you see, Shaphan went to him and read the scroll. Whenever he read the scroll, it buckled him. It buckled the king. Why? Watch this. Because it said destruction would come from God if his people departed from his ways and clearly they had done that. That's heavy, isn't it? Josiah tore his robe. What does that represent? Grieving and mourning. But I love this about Josiah. He took action immediately. He didn't wait. Fear did not stop him right there in his tracks. He moved on it. What did he do? He, he ordered Hilkiah and his counsel to find out what the meaning of the scroll was. Now, in order to do that, he needed a prophet to discern the words. Well, Jeremiah had been releasing prophetic words for Judah for more than five years. Zephaniah was also prophesying into Judah. But neither of them were called upon for such an important moment as this. You see, this time, the man for the job was a woman. Hmm. Here's the story. The posse shows up at the door. I don't believe they had to knock more than twice. Why? Because she's a prophetess. They knock on the door. She, I, oh, this is my favorite girl. H, Holda. It's my favorite girl. They knock on the door. She swings open the doors. And this is what she said. The Lord God of Israel says this. She didn't say, hey. Can I get you some tea? 
No, ma'am. The Lord, the God of Israel, has spoken, she said. Go back and tell the man who sent you. Wait a minute. The man who sent you? It's the king. She said, you go back and tell that man that sent you. That tells me something very important. She was not impressed with his position. She was not nearly as impressed with his position as she was with her relationship with God. You got me? You go tell that man that sent you. Oh, I can just see her face. Go back and tell that man. This is what the Lord says. It never said she was intimidated when she threw open that door. This is what the Lord said. Now she is talking to, I'm not sure how many prominent men are standing at that door. She throws that door open and hits them right between the eyes. Thus saith the Lord God Almighty. This is what she said. This is what the Lord says. I'm going to bring a disaster on your city and its people. And the words written in the scroll that the king of Judah has read will come true. For my people have abandoned me and ordered sacrifices to pagan gods. And I am very angry with them for everything that has been done. My anger will burn against this place and it will not be quenched. That's a hard word. And I want to tell you how she delivered that. Without apology. Without apology. You see, whether he receives that or not, it's not even on her. If he said it, your job is simply to deliver it. You know, there's something about the word. When God speaks a word to you, as my mother used to say, come hell or high water, I'm not moving. When he speaks a word, everything shifts. You get confidence, you get boldness that you didn't even know you had when you know that you know that you know and you know her what he said. You know where you're supposed to be. You know what you're supposed to It can just be one little nugget. Sometimes you just need one little thing to get you through. Well, she knew. And then she said this. But go to the king of Judah, she called him by name here, who sent you to seek the Lord. Did you get that? She is not playing. And I love this about the call of God on her life. Unapologetically. You go to the king of Judah who sent you to seek the Lord. Not me. The king said, go find out what God says. And she said, the message, this is the second time she said it. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel has said concerning the message you have just heard. You were sorry and humbled yourself before the Lord, talking to the king, when you heard what I said against the city and its people. That this land would be cursed and become desolate. You tore your clothes in despair and wept before me in repentance. 
And I have indeed heard you, says the Lord. Did you hear that again? I don't know about you, but I need him to show up in my bedroom, Pastor Shonda, before I'm going to say, thus saith the Lord. The fear of God keeps me from doing that. So I will not send the promised disaster until after you have died and been buried in peace. You will not see the disaster I'm going to bring on this city. And they took the message back to the king and that is the end of the story. Close the book. Done. She did what she had to do. And those men had to take that hard word. And let me tell you what she didn't do. She didn't try to soften the blow. Hold this. Because her responsibility is to deliver the word in truth. You don't add to it. You don't take away from it. You don't try to soften that black eye. You just be obedient. Are you following me? That was a hard word. And I can just see her close the door and goes and picks olives. I don't know. She's unmoved by what happened though. She throws open the door and she fulfilled her assignment. You know why I say that? It's because this is the only place you hear about her. Perhaps she waited her entire life to swing that door open, look those men in the face and say, thus saith the Lord, God Almighty. I love that about her. She gave a strong word, boldly and with authority, in confidence and without apology. And these, promised, these prominent men, they heard it, they received it, and they took it. There's something I want you to notice here. She repeatedly said the message was from the Lord. Why did she do that? Because she wasn't looking for any glory. She knew she was simply a conduit. Did you hear that? Simply a conduit to get his word to someone else. It ain't about you. That's what we're looking at. And she knew her assignment. She throws open that door and delivers. That wrecks me. That was her moment. She was merely a steward over that prophetic gift. Isn't that exactly what we are? Isn't that what we are? Isn't that who we are? You don't own that. Wow. Tell your neighbor, stay in your own lane. H is for Holda. I love that woman. I want to just move on, but oh, I just love her story. The strength and the boldness that that woman walked in. Okay, there was another woman. Hold on, I'm going somewhere. There was another woman. She was protective and capable. She was brave and courageous. She was quick-witted. Oh, she was clever and she was obedient. She was sensitive and unselfish, and she too was a prophetess. She was the first unmarried mature woman that we come across in the Bible, and i got to stop for just a second.
because I neglected to tell you something very important about that scroll with Huldah. You're going to need to write this down. The scroll that we just talked about, it is understood to be, are you ready? The book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy. She's not just the first woman. She is the first person to declare a text as Holy Scripture. And God used a woman. First preacher, first... Okay, I'm not going to go there. We ain't got time for that. But he loves his girls. Look what he trusts us with. And with life. Back to the other woman. Okay? She was the first unmarried, mature woman we made in the Bible. Now, this is what I'm going to teach, okay? Because there's a lot of material in here, and it's significant to where we're going. Exodus 1.22 says, Pharaoh gave this order to all his people that every boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. Chapter 2. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. Now some versions say that Moses was a beautiful child. One says he was bright and more alert than the typical infant. Okay? There's something significant about his appearance. Another said that it was obvious that he was special. Beauty was regarded as a mark of divine favor. Okay? So when they saw the baby, they immediately knew God's hand was on him because of his physical appearance. Okay? So they knew there was something special about this child. Verse 3 says, When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with vitamin and pitch. Now, vitamin is like asphalt. She put the child in it, placed it among the reeds by the riverbank, and his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. This sister, her name is M for Miriam. Now, I want us to talk about Miriam at this moment for just a second. It is believed that Miriam is 10 to 12 years old at this time. Now, I want you to think about a 10 or 12-year-old that you might know. How old are you? Nine, close, okay. 10 to 12 years old. Now, you know that what I'm about to talk about, they're not mature enough to handle what I'm about to describe. Okay? Let me tell you about it. So we're told that Miriam stands guard from a distance. She stands guard from a distance. This is after they put the baby in the basket. She's standing guard from a distance. Now, that's odd to me. That number one, Jochebed would let her little child watch the little brother in a basket placed in the Nile. That's messed up. Let me tell you why it's messed up. She's 10. She's 10 years old. She can't possibly handle what could happen. The basket could go under. The baby could drown right in her eyes, right in front of her eyes. And we're in the Nile. There are snakes everywhere. Yet, Jochebed allows her to stand and watch 
Who does that? None of us would do that. Well, that really bothered me. So I began to study, and I can't wait to tell you what I found. You know I studied that. Listen to this. When I studied in the Hebrew concerning this passage, it's well-documented and considered Jewish tradition that Miriam, being a prophetess, had a word from God about Moses' life being spared. That is the only reason that mother would have allowed her to watch from the side knowing that basket could have gone under or the snakes could have gone in it. That is the only reason that mother would have allowed that. Also, she's 10 to 12 years old. Look at this. You have to think about why was that little girl so confident and able to even do it? Watch what happens next. Oh, she had a word from God. 10 to 12 years old. Watch this. And then how many times do our children or grandchildren speak to us? And we never even consider that it could be a prophetic gift because of their age stage. Verse 5, now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river. And while her young women walked beside the river, she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, uh, woman, and she took it. When she opened it, there was a lid. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him, and she said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call you a nurse? For the Hebrew women, uh, a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? Shall I go get a Hebrew woman? Stop right there. First of all, this little child walked up to the princess boldly. Boldly. Did I say that? How? Did she know to ask, shall I get a mother? Shall I get a wet nurse for you to take care of that baby? She didn't just say a wet nurse. She said a Hebrew. She said a Hebrew. Why? Why would she do that? I'm glad you asked. Watch this. Hmm. I believe God gave Miriam specific instructions about when to go. See, she was walking in favor. When to go, what to say, what not to say. Also, can I get a Hebrew nurse, wet nurse for you? God was talking to her because why would this slave girl have that kind of boldness? to walk up to the princess, the daughter of a hostile ruler, and suggest a Hebrew woman nurse that tiny baby. This is so important. Watch this. It is true that this baby needed a wet nurse, but why a Hebrew? I began to study in the Hebrew, and let me tell you what I found. This was the comment, the statement. 
shall the mouth that will converse with God drink unclean milk from the Egyptians. Jesus. I don't believe that God would have allowed an Egyptian to boast that she nursed that baby to life. Fed the very mouth that would converse with God Almighty. Hold that just a minute because that's, that's a lot. Why do you think Miriam said that? Because God told her to say it. She's 12. She could not have known to ask for a Hebrew wet nurse. Gosh, that's so good, isn't it? Oh, that makes me want to run. God was speaking to her. Verse 8, and Pharaoh's daughter said to her, yes, go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Remember the story? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will even pay you to do it. <laughs> Just look at God. So the woman took the child and she nursed him. Something very important. Stop right there. Do you remember, ladies, how old typically are children when they are weaned from the breast during this time? Three years old. Yikes. Three years old. <laughs> Look at Shonda. Nope. Three years old. Oh, that's recorded. I'm sorry. <laughs> Three years old. That is not what happened. Go with me again. It doesn't say when the child was weaned. Verse 10 says, when the child grew older, it didn't say weaned. They passed weaning stage. Why? Watch. It doesn't say when the child was weaned. Verse 10, when the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. It says when the child grew older, not three, older. Why? Because that mother had a word from God because Miriam had heard it. She knew there was a season of time where she had to teach that baby. She knew where he was going to be growing up, right? There was a season of time. She had to saturate his mind with truth. That's why it wasn't three. It was older. How old? I don't care how old. Long enough for her to saturate him with truth. That little girl had a word from God. And that mother knew God Almighty was speaking to that child. Oh, we better be quick to speak. Way quicker to listen. Amen? And discern that. Here's another thing. We have to use our time wisely. What do you think she did during that time that she had that baby in her lap every moment. I could just see her pounding him, pounding him with truth, pounding him with truth because she didn't know exactly what was going to happen, but she knew what he was going to do ultimately. 
And she had a little bit of time to get everything she had within him, within her, within him. We got to be careful with our time. Miriam saved the life of Israel's greatest leader and lawgiver. We do not hear anything else about this prophetess for how many years? 80. We do not hear another thing. After she gave that baby back, we don't hear another thing for 80 years. Exodus 15, verse 20. Then Miriam the prophetess, listen very closely to these words. Then Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand. And all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang this song. Leanne, you should have sang for us. Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed. He has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider he has thrown into the sea. Remember? A couple of things. What I just read to you was in response to God delivering them. Remember that? D- delivering them drastically from the power of the Egyptians. Remember, they were enslaved. Do you remember the story of the Red Sea, how it split? And they're running through the Red Sea. And then all of a sudden, I can almost hear their hearts beating out of their chest because the Egyptians are coming. There's a lot of the story I can't go into tonight, but they're coming for them, okay? The Egyptians are coming and they're still on dry ground. And then all of a sudden, do you remember what happens? The hand goes up, whoosh, everybody drowns. So that, what I just said to you, is the celebration with the tambourine. I want us to look a little bit closer. Exodus 20 says, Exodus 15 verse 20. Miriam is called the prophetess. This brings her function into prominence before her family relationship. Her function before her relationship. Why? That really shouldn't even be your question. Your question should be, wait a minute. Why are we talking about Aaron? What about Moses? He's the prophet. Let's look at that one more time. Miriam the prophetess, sister of Aaron. Well, according to the Hebrew, I'd never seen this before. According to the Hebrew, she had begun prophesying before Moses' birth. That is why it says sister of Aaron. Moses was not even a thought yet. So, from what we understand, whenever Moses was born, we don't know the exact age of Miriam, but Aaron was three years old. So that, are you following me? So somewhere during that three-year period, God began to speak to Miriam. And she began to prophesy. Moses is not even a thought right here. There's so many details. Don't read quickly. Don't read quickly. I'd never seen that. Why not Moses? He's the prominent one. You know, deliverance will always lead you to praise. Did you hear that? 
Deliverance will always lead you to praise. And if you don't believe me, just submit yourself and allow him to work in your life for just one time. You won't care if folks are looking at you funny in church. You'll just break out into a song of deliverance. You won't care who's sitting on the other side of you, amen? <clears throat> I want to talk very quickly. My ladies know how much I love timbre. It's a joke, I don't. But uh, <clears throat> I want to talk about Miriam and the tambourine. You're not ready for this. What I found about the tambourine. I always wonder why she did that. Because you know why I think I don't like the tambourine? I think it's wimpy. Seriously? Seriously? No. No. I don't even know what to do with that. I don't like this sound. It it's, sounds, uh, don't take offense, but it sounds cheap, tinny, insignificant. What? She marched and celebrated with this puny thing? No, she didn't. But wait a minute, you just told me she had a tambourine. Yes, she did. Watch this. It's not what you're thinking. Did you know that tambourines were forbidden in temple worship? The women were allowed to use them in religious feasts and in celebrations. Miriam's tambourine did not have little jingles on it. Let me tell you what a tambourine was used for. A tambourine was a piece of percussion. It was a drum. It was a war cry. And there were no jingle bells on it. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? This is serious business. It's a war drum. They weren't dancing like Hebrew dances that you're thinking with the sweet dresses. This was a war cry they were releasing. It was a drum. When we read that they went out, the ladies went out after Miriam with tambourines. I want to tell you something. That's plural. That tells me that those women had tambourines. Now, didn't I just tell you that they were slaves? They didn't have anything to celebrate. Where did they get those tambourines? How long has it been since they celebrated? Let's think for just a minute. If I have a pair of green shoes in my closet and I don't have anything to wear with them, they're not staying 40 years. If I don't see a need for you, not you specifically, those shoes, I'm talking about. If I don't see a need for those shoes, you're not staying in my closet. Do you understand where I'm going? They would not have had a tambourine for 80 years or whatever. They wouldn't have, and they didn't have anything to celebrate, and that tool was a tool of celebration. So what does that tell you? Hmm. That tells me that God said, get a drum. You're going to need it. They didn't have tambourines sitting in their closet. They made them because Miriam had a word from God. You're going to need this because there's a war cry that's going to be released. And you're going to win and you're going to celebrate because those ladies did not have those tambourines. They made them. 
Oh, they made them. Mm. That wrecks me. I don't know about you, but I want my life to lead somebody to worship. Oh, I want my life to lead somebody to worship. Well, that was Miriam. Prominent leader in Israel. You know how I know they made those tambourines early? Because when they had to leave, they left their bread that had not risen yet. It had to rise after they got, after they left. That was their sustenance. They didn't have time to wait for the bread to rise. Those tambourines were already made. They had to have been. They were running frantically. Nobody had time to make a tambourine on the road or on the run. She had a word from God. Oh, she held a leadership role in the nation of Israel. She was influential and God trusted her. Ladies, don't you want to be trusted by God? Then say what he says. Don't add anything to it. Don't take anything from it. And move forward in confidence. Amen. So much takes place between the time we hear of Miriam and the tambourine to the third time. We hear of Miriam three times in scripture. And I'm about to tell you the third time. Much takes place, but I want to jump right into the third time. And it happens in Numbers 12.1. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Now it appears that the beef with Moses that they had was because he married a Cushite woman. She wasn't like them. And in Miriam's eyes, Moses was sleeping with the enemy. How dare him. She wasn't one of them. Many commentaries suggest that racial and ethnic prejudice is what the beef was. But I beg to differ with that. It wasn't. It might have been the first thing, but it wasn't the real thing. I'm going to prove that. The wife was of African descent. She was not an Israelite. But the Cushites were not among those whom the Israelites were forbid to marry. So sit down, Miriam. She tried to make it big like that. But let me tell you, Exodus 34 says... They were not to marry the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. Say that three times. The Cushites are never even mentioned. And I want to remind you that Miriam is the leading lady of the Exodus. The lead female. She was respected and now there's another woman on the block. 
That can be hard. That can be hard, right? Let's look at verse 2. So we just said, mm-hmm, you married a Cushite. Watch verse 2. This is what Miriam says. Now, you know, we just celebrated with Miriam, didn't we? She said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? They ask. When you study that right there, there was no they in it. That's Miriam. She's listed first, therefore she's the ringleader. And if you know anything about Aaron, you know he's not a leader to begin with. He's a follower. We'll talk about that in a minute. It was her, okay? He said, she said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. Miriam and Aaron talked against Moses, which really means Miriam, watch this. In the Hebrew, it means this. Miriam continually, not once. That word talked means continually. She didn't just talk. She shouted crazily. She was steaming. She was irate. She wasn't doing this under her breath. She was bold with it. Don't be misled right there. She meant to be heard. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hmm. It takes me right back to Aaron when I think about the affair of the golden calf. Remember that story? Go back and read that. That's how you'll know he wasn't the leader here. Could it be that these spiritually attuned people, watch this, a high priest and a prophetess had become envious and jealous? Hmm. Evidently, God thought so. Numbers 12 says this, and he said, hear my words. This right here ought to check your spirit He's, uh, with our words. He said, hear my words. When a prophet of the Lord is among you, I reveal myself to him in visions. I speak to him in dreams. Don't be confused. That says him. That doesn't mean male only. Okay? Okay. You know that. I reveal myself to him in visions. I speak to him in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He's faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face. Clearly, not in riddles. I don't play with him. That's what he's saying. I don't play with him. He has to hear exactly eye to eye. Watch my lips. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant? Ooh. That scares me. This is the way I speak to him. Not in riddles. He hears me. He has to. Who are you? Hmm. A couple of important little nuggets right here. You ready? God decide that, decided that it was time to make clear to both of them that while they had spiritual gifts and prestige, they were not in the same category as Moses. Why? Do you think there's a spiritual pecking order? I think I just proved it. He, he doesn't love one more than the other. 
but he knows what he can trust you with. Are you following me? He might can only trust you with this much, but he can trust your neighbor with that much. Or maybe he can only trust your neighbor with this much. He doesn't love you more. He just knows you. You're not ready for this much yet. Okay? That's all he's saying. You're not ready for that yet. Okay, so God does not look on this arrogance lightly. It is sin, and he does not take it lightly. We better stop comparing ourselves and demanding a pecking order in the spirit realm because he calls those shots. Are you following what I'm saying? He calls those shots. You don't have a say-so in that. You just obey, as he said to me one day. It doesn't matter if you know or not. You just do what I said. Yes, sir. You don't need to know everything. You just do what I said. So Miriam had trouble accepting the position that God marked out for her. Although she held a lofty place in Israel, she was one of the top three leaders. She had a dramatic spiritual gift, but she lost her perspective and she insulted Moses, which in turn insulted God Almighty. Did you get that? Wow. She insulted God Almighty because she insulted God's man of the... Okay. Mm. We better be careful, little mouth, what we say. Verse 9 says, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. The sin, the pride of... The mouth, the envy of one, one woman, the pride, the mouth, the envy of one woman caused the presence of God to leave. Do you understand the power you have with that mouth? It caused the presence of God to leave. You have that power in your mouth to make his presence leave you. I didn't make that up. I just read that right there. That puts the fear of God in me. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them and he departed because of one woman's sin. God responded quickly. Do you remember the story? When the cloud was removed from the tent, Miriam was leprous. Aaron begged him not to punish her. Moses cried out to God to heal her. You see, she had publicly, this is very important, she had publicly humiliated God's servant. So she was being publicly humiliated. That's what happened. For seven days, she was removed from the camp. Her entire body was defiled from leprosy. Leprosy was a physical picture of the spiritual impact of her words. It was a physical picture of the spiritual impact that her words had. That's powerful. 
your words can cause his presence to leave. And then her entire body was defiled because of her words. That's so powerful. What we speak has the ability to defile the entire body. So sin caused isolation and separation from God. And that is where Miriam was finding herself. I want to show you something very important as we're closing in Numbers 12 and 15. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days. Do you remember the story? Outside the camp for seven days. And the people did not move on until she was brought back. Now, while she was in timeout, if you will, for seven days, being humiliated as a result of her sin, the people were delayed. I need you to hear that. Her sin, her punishment for her sin caused everybody behind her to be delayed. It never is just you. The sin never is just you. It caused all those people behind her to be delayed or detoured. We don't know. But how many times do we do that? We... we we have sin in our life. There's people around us. And because God's trying to deal with the sin in our life that we won't deal with, it's causing people that are following us to be delayed. It says they waited. They couldn't go. She clogged up the works. And then I wonder how many times we clog up the works because we won't allow him to deal with the situation. How long did it take Miriam to get from building those drums and releasing that war cry to, well, is he the only one God uses? I think not. How do you get there? One little thing at a time that you don't deal with. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in a place where God can't trust us. He can't trust us. Because we stepped away one little piece at a time. It never affects just one person. It affects other people in ways you can't understand. How do I know that? Because you don't know God's plan for them. You don't know what you did that caused them to trip up. Because you can't see the full picture. I always believe that it's bigger than life. She insisted on having a position that God didn't give to her. She wanted Moses' job too. Content, like Huldah, restless, like Miriam. Where are you tonight? Are you content like Huldah or restless like Miriam? And that concludes today's message. Thanks again for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. We pray that you have been encouraged and empowered in your journey of following Jesus. If you would like to learn more about Restoration Church, please visit us by going to our website, r4sq.org. We pray you have a great week. God bless.